Today's ABM conversation is presented by Web Insights. Web Insights offers intelligent website visitor automation, the right opportunities, routed to the right team at the right time. Here's your host, Christoph, to get the conversation started. Let's go. That's right. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. How's everyone doing? Thanks for joining us. Another webinar here with Web Insights. Today, we're going to talk about ABM. If you're joining us and you're wondering, Christoph, knock it off with the acronyms. We're going to keep using that acronym, Account-Based Marketing. That's what it stands for. I know many of you know it. And if you don't know it, now is the time to learn it because it is a good strategy. So we're going to go around the room here, so to speak. Um, introduce everybody, and then we're going to have a great discussion. If you have any questions, we are live on all the different networks, uh, networks, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, on the webinar side, and Amazon Live as well. Feel free to leave a question. We'll try to answer it. Um, that's a lot of networks, so if I miss your question, don't get mad at me. I'll do my best. So I'm Christoph Trapp. Um, live streamer, podcast host of the Business Storytelling Show. Um, also do content strategy at Vox Pop Me, which is a market research firm for um, offering video surveys to brands. So let's go around the room here. Chris, welcome back to the show. Um, it was great to have you on. I don't know when. Seems like a couple weeks ago, but it's been longer. <laughs> um, remind us who you are. Thanks, Christoph, and it's great to be back today. Thank you very much for inviting me um, again. My name is Krista Norton, and I am Head of Industry and Account-Based Marketing at Capita, which is probably best known for being um, an outsource provider based in the UK. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Let's go with Martin Boyle was just on the show, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago. We had a, a really super fast 27-minute session because it was also being broadcast on TV and you know TV people need their ad space. Martin, welcome back. Tell us about you, fellow content here. Always good to talk to you. Hi, Christoph. Yep, um, good to be back. Uh, so I'm the marketing director over at Web Insights. Um, and yeah, love, lovely to be back. Awesome. And finally, um, Karen Carter with CVAN. I've worked with CVAN before. Um, I worked at meetings today in the meetings industry. Mm -hmm. So familiar with CVAN for sure, a market leader um, out there. Karen, welcome to the show. Tell us about yourself. Yeah. Um, hi. Thank you, Christoph. Sorry, my of course, my headset decided to do something strange. Right as you were introducing me, I am Karen Carter. I am the Director of Enterprise Marketing for Europe at Cvent, uh, which is an event technology platform. And uh, I'm excited to have learned from everyone today and have a great conversation about the world of account-based marketing. And what I love about that comment is you guys are here to teach us, but what I've learned as well that every time I'm talking to anybody, even when I know a lot about the topic, there's always something I learn as well. So let's get started here. We got the acronym out of the way so people can stop screaming at me about that. Um, but what does a successful ABM campaign, account-based marketing Sorry, I, I'm happy to kick off. I don't um, know. 
Yeah, so I would say um, I have successful ABM, ABM campaign um, would be happy customer and a good return on your marketing investment. So I think a lot of it stems from you only really, well, you only want to be selling to people who you can help. Um, otherwise, you're going to an awful lot of effort and then you're going to lose them. You're, you're either going to lose them before you make the sale or you're going to get them in and you're going to have an unhappy customer at some point if the, if the product or service isn't right for them. So um, I think that's where obviously the ideal customer profile comes in. Um, and I think it pays to be really picky about who you want to target. So um, look at the attributes that work really well with your product or service. Um, and then obviously the aim is happy customers. Uh, if you've got happy customers, um, hopefully you get negative churn, um, where obviously you're generating more revenue from your existing customers month over month than you're losing from people actually churning. Um, so that's how you're going to get consistent growth. And then the bit about good return on investment, I would say, I think there's a stat that was something along the lines of 90% or more than 90% of um, B2B marketers uh, said that ABM uh, gives a better return on investment than kind of the old school uh, spray and pray um, approach. Um, so it makes sense, you know, there's high, high value accounts, you can focus your energy, focus your resources in the right places. Um, so those, those, I suppose, would be my two main things, happy customer, good ROI. Well, we always want happy customers, right? Other than people screaming at us on the phone. And what's interesting, when you were just talking about that, Martin, I mean, back in the day, there weren't very many ways to reach out to specific companies, right? You had to stop by and basically that's it, right? You knock on the door and say, hey, I'm Christoph. You want to buy a copier or I mean, whatever, right? Um, so, so that's interesting because today there's so many more channels, even from direct mail. I know it's not dead yet. Just look at my mailbox, quite frankly, uh, through targeting on the website, to calling people, to emailing people. I mean, the, the channels are endless. Um, Karen, how is it looking at CVEN? What's, um, um, how, how do you guys think about account-based marketing and how do you get started? Yeah. Um. It's interesting and in listening to Martin, I mean, the, from a, what success looks like, probably not dissimilar. Um, but one of the things that we're also really taking a look at, because we're in some ways almost early in our journey of how we define account-based marketing strategies. And a lot of this is a, it's just looking across so many things. Are we clear on who we're talking to and where they are? Um, do we understand the inbound versus outbound and what's working for us as far as different channels and taking all of that knowledge that we have in what I might, in a non-account based model, how do we then apply that in that individual experience, that personalization side of how we want to engage with customers in an organization. And one of the things I certainly talk about at a strategic level is the idea of the funnel in B2B, in my opinion is, I don't want to say it's dead, but for me, it, it mm -hmm. goes into, and I'm sure we can all find these images in Google of like a bow tie. So there's how we push them in, but then we've we've done that initial sale, might be that first step in that journey with that organization. How do we then think about the success we can have both in from an upselling cross-sell perspective across an organization, as well as then how we retain people? So there's kind of two parallel paths we look at to drive success. One is 
new companies we maybe don't have a relationship with as well as the ones that we do. And that informs how we think about the, the conversations we have, the, the personalization we might need to do, the channels that are going to reach them, and then how we can scale that for efficiency and take learnings from one organization or one vertical, for example, to another. So there's lots of, of, of this early thinking that's going on, that's in, but it's trying to take some of the things that we've historically had success with, particularly with, with smaller organizations, and then apply those learnings and then dial that up from an, a personalization perspective with a large enterprise account. You know, the one thing I just thought about too when you were talking, so <clears throat> certainly I am not the spray and pray kind of guy at all. I want to create content for people, right? That that um, that I'm that I'm targeting, you know, and make it specific to them. Um, and that's hard enough as it is when it comes to just yeah. general content strategy. But when I just listen to you talk personalization, I mean, you really got to get that right when you're talking mm -hmm. to specific groups of people in a company. I mean, even from the the verbiage do they use, right? Um, you have to have the right brand style, you know. Don't don't call something the wrong name or or, or yeah. have, it, and, have the and, wrong spellings. And, and as a global company, there's the nuances of, of country differentiation. How do you need to talk to these businesses from a North America versus Europe? What are those nuances? There's also, and, and the thing that I think is becomes critical and shockingly with some of the most historically successful businesses I've still seen, the, it's that right hand talking to the left and in a, an organization that might have silos does is marketing, learning and listening and having conversations with the sales organization, with your customer success people to kind of close those feedback loops. Because coming back to the ROI, there might be the success that marketing drives from a qualified leads into the, into, into the database for what you're building. But then the other side of this is what um, I've seen listed as customer retention optimization. How do you take those customers you have, retain them, excite them, and turn that into a cross-sell or upsell opportunity, even just basic referral from one division to another. So there's all, it's one of the things I love about it, and why I think B2B is be fascinating is that complexity. So to your point is how do you get down into the details and nuance of the content itself, but then drive that level of engagement and ensure that we as an organization are having the right conversations to learn as we go with a specific account across marketing, sales, customer success. I think that's an easy one to forget, right? We're always just pushing people in the funnel, like, let's get you in the door. It's like, hey, how do we get the first date? Oh, my God. Now, he, now the guy's using date analogies here. Um in marketing once again but i mean that's you know you have to retain the people as well once they're in the door krista what what else have we not mentioned when it comes to getting started with a good abm um, strategy oh my god and we've mentioned so much i mean i have to say just reflecting on um you know what's already been said uh, by by karen and by martin you know, I think this, the thing that sort of draws together what they've said is, is you know, very much relevancy. Um, and I just I just wanted to echo that because we sort of hadn't said it, but we sort of skirted around. So I just, and I suppose for everybody who's listening, you know, front of mind all the time, um, you know, what's unique about ABM is that real relevancy that you can get to. I mean, from my side of things, what makes a successful campaign, um, I think, 
beauty of ABM is that you can actually move away to a certain extent from funnel and MQL and 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 um, you know some of those sorts of things to start to say, well, you know, actually with this account, with this particular ABM account, and I work very much on the one-to-one -one ABM, you know, have we met the business objectives? Because I think the for me the thing that is most successful, the thing that really drives success in ABM is that real interlock between marketing and sales, where actually you're not marketing and sales anymore. You are a team of people all working together and bringing different skills to bear to um, solve the challenges of building relationships within the account and thus you know, building more business and, and, and selling across a plethora. So whether it is, um, you know, whether you are helping because you are creating relationships um, to enable white space or whether it's because you are running initiatives that enable strategic alignment, you know, what are the business objectives for this account? What is it that we need to do? Do we need to resign a multi-million pound deal? Do we need to expand? Do we need to protect, you know, are we under um, attack from other competitors um, who have a positioning that might be more innovative or might just be it's not you, you know, because you've been in a long-term relationship and you need to bring some um, uh, some honeymoon back to a relationship or something like that. So, uh, you know, success for me is all about if you have got, um, if you get to the stage where you were as critical to the salespeople as, you know, your solutions architect and your account managers and everyone, that's when you've become really successful because that's when you're offering sort of adding real value into the account. Um, so, you know, we very much um, measure on um, sales feedback as well as customer and NPS, as well as, you know, down the line pipeline and so on. I always have a little bit of an interesting feeling when people talk about sales and marketing relationships. And, and I got to be honest, it's the baggage. I've worked with fantastic sales teams who are true partners. And I've worked with sales teams who think they can order copywriting as a service, which is, mm -hmm. I don't think is a thing that works anymore today. You know what I mean? You have to be collaborative. You have to say, so if somebody comes to you and says, hey, Christoph, we need some content. I have a shirt. You know what the shirt says? I don't have it on right now. It says, this shirt is a content asset. If I don't know anything else about what you're trying to do, I can't help you. I can't literally just say, you know, here's a pound of content. Like, it doesn't help you. doesn't help me. doesn't help anybody. So I am a big, big believer in collaboration. Definitely work together with the sales team. But guys and gals, it has to be a team effort. You have to collaborate. You have to have those open conversations. I mean, do you, I, do you guys disagree with that? Well, I was just going to say, I yeah, I mean, I completely agree with that. And there's been some really interesting debate on LinkedIn over the past couple of days that have made me feel quite despondent because, you know, clearly in some cases there still is quite a, you know, a... a a, a, a view of marketing that I certainly couldn't work within an organization where salespeople felt like that. Um, but I also think, you know, it is incumbent on us and particularly with ABM where, you know, we are focused so much on our understanding of the client. It is absolutely incumbent on us then to have that knowledge, to have that understanding and to earn that. You know, I think a lot of, you know, great salespeople, you know, they really understand their customers. They understand what is going on. They are 
you know, absolutely tunnel vision about doing the best thing for their customers. Those are the great sales guys, aren't they? You know, the ones where they don't not even particularly bother about profit. They want to do the best thing for their customers. And, you know, I think if we're expecting to rack up and be part of the team, be treated, we've got to earn that. And we can earn that by going in there and really understanding and by doing, I mean, I, I always talk about research as being, you know, the most important tactic for um, account-based marketing. You've got to go in there and you've got to be able to tell the salespeople um, or, you know, your account lead um, or your account team, you've got to be able to tell them something that they don't already know. Otherwise, what, you know, <laughs> what value really are you bringing to the party? Um, so I do think there is a case of, you know, that is a, you know, if you're going to have that sort of relationship, you've got to earn your place, as does every other member of the team. Um, and I think when you go in there and when you take that approach and when you're able to demonstrate, you know, great understanding, when you're able to have the very latest news and get that in front of them, when you're able to bring perspectives that they're not aware of and, you know, really bring that insight and add that value, that's when, you know, you really start to build that trust. You really start to become that critical friend where they're then coming to you and saying, you know, we need some sort of door opener. What do you think we could do? How can we get in front of these people? What do you think they're interested in? Tell me. Um, and, uh, you know, that takes time to build that relationship. And I think, you know, we'd all agree ABM is, is a, a, you know, it is a slow burn. You do need to find some quick wins when you're starting off. And Karen, I can see you nodding already around that. So we've all been in that having to find the quick wins around ABM. But, you know, it's really, really important, I think, to, to position that this is a, a, long-term strategy in the same way that sales are a you know it, it's a long-term relationship build it's not a it's not a, a quick win i think yeah. and, and to me it goes to the heart of i call it smarketing you know just, you have to have a buzzword in marketing like that. but i think that i think part of the challenge is also and i'm gonna i'm gonna be ridiculously provocative i just ought to kick off a whole lot of conversation in times when I've led both sales and marketing organizations, I make the argument that marketing or marketers, just by the nature of what we do, have to take a slightly longer term strategic view. How you build a brand is not something you do overnight. How you engage with a customer, depending on, regardless of the business, the industry, is something that takes time to do. So, so we play a long game. Sellers, particularly people who are in there, they have their quota and they know that they, they hit this number in this amount of time, quarterly, monthly, whatever it may be, they are, they, they get something for that generally. I'm going to traditional kind of sell things. So that balance between short-term need, long-term strategy becomes an interesting pivot point and completely agree with what you're saying around research, but it's also how you, in some ways, educate uh, at mm -hmm. senior levels and to make sure that while you're finding those quick wins, that's why I was laughing and nodding a bit, is how do we find those quick things? It's helping them to understand that the longer term play is what in the long run is going to, to achieve you your best results. And particularly in my piece of the world that I so much is large enterprise businesses, selling cycles mm -hmm. by their nature are 12 to 18 months. Oh, yeah. So it almost plays in with that ability to, to play the long game and figure out the ways to learn and, and drive that. I also think that with research is, at risk of a segue, is the technology and the platforms you have to bear where you could just hold up and say, we did this and it resulted in that. So this mm -hmm. is where the, the, the world now of having 
platform and tech and data to come back in and, and more quickly react and change when you need to becomes quite useful in, in how marketing shows value across the sales organization. I think a key thing about that, just to go back, because I agree there's a great segue into tech and reporting and so on, but I did just want to cover off. I think that's why account selection then is so important as well, because, you know, you need to be, um, you know, going into your ABM with accounts that are, you know, long term accounts. ABM is not just because it gets great results. It's not because it's, you know, ideally suited for everything. Getting the right, you know, working with sales to choose the right accounts that are going to go into an ABM program and being really willing to walk away from accounts that are not right. And there's all sorts of reasons why an account may or may not be the right account for an ABM program, but choosing the wrong account won't get you results uh, because, you know, if there's an expectation of, you know, we've got to sell something quickly, you know, there's there's other marketing strategies that are ideal to support that. You're absolutely right. It is a long term play. You know, walking away from a council because they're the wrong account. It, I think that's hard. I think it makes sense. Right. If you're spending time, if you're running an ABM campaign on an account, they can't even you know afford your product. I mean, what a waste of money, what a waste of resources. But I think that is something that uh, it takes getting used to, right, by people to figure that out and, and focus their time on where it makes the most sense. It's not that we walk away from a marketing perspective. It just means that ABM isn't the right strategy for this customer at this time. And I think we do need to think about ABM as a as a, a marketing strategy that we apply to solve a particular business challenge. Um, you know, in the same way that there are other, you know, challenges, you know, you apply ABM to solve brand challenges. You know, there are other strategies that you use. So it's, you know, it's very much sort of part of the toolbox. Um, and I think you've got to realize that, you know, sometimes it's not the right strategy sometimes it, it it really really isn't and there's that's why it's so important to work together to be able to have those um quick wins so that you can get some sense very very quickly gotta have the sales engagement because if it's not a partnership then again you can't understand quickly whether it's the right account whether there's really the opportunity we've had several accounts where we've looked at it and they've been big massive FTSE 100 names we've looked at it and gone this just isn't the right account for us because ABM is really expensive. You know, for we talk about ROI, but it's a big investment to get a big reward. Um, you know, you make that investment and you don't really think you've got a chance of getting the reward, then it's, you know, it's, it's, it's um, bad money after bad. So let's dive over into content a little bit. So I know you, Krista, you, my, my apologies, throwing up the wrong lower third. It's like a little bitty thing over here on my screen. I know who everybody is by now. Uh, my apologies. Um, so when we talk about investment, though, I mean, I'm thinking about content, right? When we plan content and you have to personalize it to an extent, you have to get the language right. You have to figure out what's the best message for whomever the customer is, whoever the prospect is. Um, so how do you what tips do you guys have on planning that content? What what can you do? Um, Again, so, I can. I'm oh, sorry, Martin. You go. Okay, thanks, Chris. Um, so uh, again, it it comes back to being customer centric. Um, what does your prospect or customer? What do they care about? How can you add value? What are their problems? 
um, and then in the content you want to kind of get the pain points in. But I think it comes down to also how you're segmenting within your ideal customer profile as well. So, you know, you're going to talk to a salesperson differently to how you're going to talk to a marketing person or a customer success person. Um, and also it depends on if you're doing one-to-one, one-to-few, one-to-many, um, kind of how, how you play it. Um, and content will change depending on the medium. Uh, content can, can also change depending on the on the context. So, um, you know, if, if you know that the, the prospect or customer has hit a certain page on your website, for instance, and they've looked at a certain thing, um, you can kind of build um, some content around that. So, you know, you could have a triggered email that just goes off or one of your team can can reach out. So, um, you know, so I, I, again, it's that kind of the human connection kind of thing if it's a one-to-one or one-to-few, uh, but there are other tools that you can use as well, obviously. And then I think there's a, there's a whole thing around, you need to be a bit creative to, I think sometimes to kind of jolt people out of just thinking, oh, this is, you know, what is this? Um, so, you know, there's like lots and lots of examples out there. The, the one that I've mentioned the other day, which was uh, Gum Gum, a tech company found out that the CEO of T-Mobile was a massive Batman fan. And they created a, a, co- a comic book with him in it and that helped them to win the account. So it's just things like that. Obviously that's taken up a lot of time and resources, but it's absolutely been a, a great investment for them. That's sort of the kind of that one-to-one extreme. But yeah. So there we go. That, that's my that's my two cents. That's your answer and you're sticking to it. Yep. Um, <laughs> it, it, it so what's the definition of marketing to a few like what's like how many is that i guess is there a number we can throw on that do you know what i mean just to give people around an idea 15 around 15 for a cluster for a cluster of people got it mm-hmm. um krista i know you were going to jump in as well what um what tips do you have when it comes to planning content so i think um it's a couple of things um you know, you use different content for different purposes. So I think the, my first thing would be, okay, well, what do you want this piece of content to achieve? Is it about, um, you know, raising awareness of a challenge? Is it about raising awareness of a particular problem? What is it that you actually want the, want the content to do? Because that's obviously going to lead into then, okay, well, what channel is going to be right? How are we going to present this? Is this, you know, long form or is it sort of simple to consume? Are we going to do something that's sort of more interactive or is it, you know, just a white paper? Um, and I think sort of understanding what we want it to do and um, then really, and again, this is from a one-to-one perspective, but when we think about our audience, and we may well be considering an audience of one or an audience of one and direct reports for a single piece of content so um, really trying to understand what are both the personal and the professional challenges of the the, the target audience um, so we undertake an awful lot of profiling so that we really understand it as, as Martin was just talking about you know understanding that someone likes Batman might you know be the sort of thing that you therefore want to bring in if you've sort of got a more sort of joyous piece of of content that you're creating um you know to really help um differentiate (laughs) you have to be a bit careful that you don't turn into stalkers but um you know we've all had that thing that's turned up where it's just been really personal and it's just lovely and you feel like you've had that you know someone's taken the time to actually make an effort there's nothing worse now than getting something that isn't at least a little bit personalized um 
so I think it's 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 understanding the audience, but understanding then you know that real you know what do we want the audience to think, do, feel, and they're quite you know that can be quite hard, and um, can be quite a laborious process to go through. But that is the way that again to come back to my favourite word, relevancy. Um, you know, uh, someone's just going to be more engaged by a piece of content if it really feels hyper relevant to them. I would just the only thing I would add to that is is I'm hooking on what you're talking about around that. You know, we keep talking about personal, and one of the things I'm constantly looking at, and I bet there's probably some good advice I could get from each of you and others, is um, how do we take the things and the learnings and, and best practices we see in what I would say traditionally is more B2C? Because when you're reaching this more consumer customer, it's around uniqueness, and there's a level of creativity that I think gets applied there, and less so in perhaps more of these mm. B2B constructs. People are still people. So the Batman comic is a perfect example of, it has nothing to do with what this person does all day. It's about what they like. So if we understand that general thing at their core is that regardless of what someone, you know, walks into their office or their space of work to do, they still go home at night and like science fiction or like, uh, comic books or love their dog. So, so those understandings and then thinking about the different channels to go after, I actually, I actually tend to look, it's like, do we look at all the channels we have available to us? So something that can person be personalized and just knock someone away from or differentiate could be a physical piece of mail or that thing that's delivered to the front desk because mm -hmm. everything's done digital these days. So how, I think this is where creativity can be used in unique ways based on the account and the understanding of the profile and doing all your homework and doing all that work to prep. Are there ways that you can create a unique experience that drives that personalization in a way that breaks out of the norms in some ways to create, dare I say, experiences beyond just a, the right name is at the top of the, of the email and it was personalized to say Krista versus Karen. Oh, God, yeah, you've got to go beyond that. Otherwise, that is just personalization. <clears throat> yeah, that's, that's an absolutely great point. I mean, I've worked in um, B2C and B2B. And I think, that, so the example a minute ago, obviously, when the person got that, it made them feel special. And, you know, in all of the textbooks, it says, oh, you know, B2C is all about oh, emotional. Um, sorry, uh, yeah, B2C is all about emotional connections. And B2B is all about rational logical decision making um but actually i think there is there is quite a lot to be said for making that emotional connection you obviously you're going to need all of the rest of the stuff to back it up all of the rational logical stuff behind it but to make some impact actually the emotional connection is is really strong yeah and agree with that. Well, so i'm i'm a big fan of stealing from anywhere, or I mean, ideas, and um, I think the comment you made, um, Krista, on on the whole personalization. So on my LinkedIn, I put a little microphone at the beginning of my name, so the people that don't know how to personalize automatically on LinkedIn, you know what they call me? The microphone Mike. emoji, <laughs> just the mic, right? Now I know there is ways around it because I know people who send me automated messages, and it does not say the mic; it says Christoph blah, 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 whatever, you know, so there's so many traps to fall into if you don't think about the personalization um, for mm -hmm. sure. But I think, you know, 
for way too long B2B marketers, and I'm a B2B marketer too. You know, they think of, oh, B2B is so different. We're so different. I mean, for real. And you know what? I see it actually, uh, and this is an ABM uh, campaign I saw the other day. It's repetition too. You know, if I see this content in front of my face on my Facebook feed, which allegedly I only use for personal things, at some point that might convince me to buy. What do you think of that? Am mm -hmm. I just talking nonsense? There's no, definitely a, a, yeah, I think there's definitely a, a channel play in how you get creative. Like I've gone to the extreme of should we be using TikTok? Should we be using, I mean, it all, it all comes down to how you can segment and how you can make sure you can target the right people with the right messages. But I think that if we don't break out and come up with more creative ways, you're, you're, you're not going to stand out with all of your competitors. And that I think has become even more acute, certainly in the last year um, with how people get and consume information. And this is why the profiling is so important because what you need to do is be where your customers are and or where your customer is um you know certainly from a one-to-one -one perspective and you know previously that just meant you know doing a bit of profiling around the media and things like that now it might be about creating opportunities to be where that customer is and so on um so yeah you should never rule out a channel because you don't think it's a b2b channel we've seen over the past 18 months you know with the pandemic that that just isn't a you know isn't relevant anymore um you know if your customer is doing videos on tiktok you should be doing you know you should definitely be considering that as a as a channel regardless of your brand yep absolutely so we do have another guest joining us here um Hang with me while well, I'm trying to figure out how to add him to the screen. So you're going to look at me, everyone here, and um, I got to get rid of one thing. Um, da -da. And then where did Zach go? There he is. And now Zach is on the show as well. Zach, can you hear us? Sound check live on the air. How's everyone doing? Can you hear me? Hey, yeah. Zach. Hi, Zach. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning. Thanks for joining us. I, you know, if I, at the very least, I'm sure you're going to share fantastic insights like everybody else has already, but I couldn't look at myself in that picture anymore. I mean, thank you for getting, helping me get rid of that. Zach, tell us about yourself. How's everyone doing? I am Director of Customer Lifecycle Marketing at Sendoso. I've uh, set up ABM uh, at several other companies, including Aptis and Salesforce. And now um, we are continuing our, our ABM approach. I'm living on more of the post-sales side of the strategy. The post-sales side. So that's retention, basically. Yeah, retention, upsells, and expansion. So a little bit of everything. Okay. Very interesting. All right, let's hop into the next question here. Guys, we're already, we're like 36 minutes in. I know we said 45 minutes to 50 some minutes, roughly maybe an hour, depends on, on how it's looking. But the next question I have for everyone, everyone wants to know, what are the tools? What's the technology? What's the silver bullet? Blah, you know what I'm talking about, right? What's the next squirrel we have to chase? So what technology helps with account-based marketing, what tips do we have? 
Zach, you want to kick us off? Absolutely happy to. Um, one of my favorite tools is Sixth Sense. Um, it allows us to really uh, organize uh, our database, um, really understand who's paying attention, uh, who's engaging, where their intent is, and, and then help us prioritize uh, on the sales side. Um, for uh, the post-sales side, um, I'm going to do a little shout out for our company, Sendoso. We're a big fan of direct mail. Um, so one-to-one -one sending is a great way to kind of add that, that layer of personalization in um, into uh, your engagement streams. And then um, I've always been uh, really heavy with email, but being really cognizant of how and when and why you're reaching out uh, to your prospects or customers. And so lately we've been ramping up on iterable that really allows for super, super personalized uh, and event based uh, nurture tracks. So we're, we're not just kind of treating everybody lump sum within segments, but actually paying attention to how they're using our platform um, and recommending new features and driving them into new behaviors that way. Yeah, I actually think the whole looking at people's behaviors in, in software, especially, is probably one of the things that's the easiest to forget about, right? And I know Karen mentioned that earlier, you know, how do you retain people? Um, and then you reach out to them. I mean, I get emails all the time from some of the tools that I use, you know, and did you know you can do this? Did you know you can do that? So I think that's a fantastic, um, a fantastic way to do that. Um how about the the rest of you? What what tech do you guys use? What's your favorite tools when it comes to ABM? Where it's funny because we're actually kind of on the start of our journey of taking a look at the right tools and systems and how do we apply. So so part of the challenge for us also is like with existing systems that we use, what what exists within there that can help support our account based marketing efforts? Then what what do we need to add? So like one of the things we've been looking at is around personalization. Do you look at something like Turtle? Uh, I think Sixth Sense is one that's come up. So, so we're on the start of that journey. So I'm probably not, I, I will defer to Krista and, and Zach, and I'm actually writing down what you're saying because I'm curious to see what platforms I may not have, we may not have looked at yet. I think the interesting thing for us in, in Europe as well, and Krista, I'm sure you've dealt with this, is also just thinking about GDPR and the the more stringent regulations we have, and particularly when you get into to like the doc region and all that, the limits of what you can do mean we have to be even smarter about what platform can we use, what channels then we use to push these things out, like email as an example, just because we're limited. So that's also informing how we're looking at the right platform choices we make. Yeah, I mean, we use Turtle and I absolutely love it in terms of, uh, you know, being able to create something quickly and easily that is totally personalized to a customer and to be able to track it because their metrics are really good. So, um, you know, particularly from a one to one, I know they've got some personalization um, tools that they're working on as well, which also look really, really promising. So from a content perspective, I find that really useful. I mean, I think the, um, you know, one of the things that I would um, uh, that I would call out is thinking about, um, you know, tools to enable reporting and how we, you know, making sure that your CRM is set up and enhanced to enable you to use the tech to report really accurately. So I'm thinking, you know, as we were saying earlier, you know, at ABM, it's, it's not like traditional marketing. You do not want to get into the stage where you're trying to report on an ABM campaign against MQLs or concepted <laughs> leads or anything like that. You know, so it is very much an attribution model rather than an origination model. And I think you need to be really... Um, 
you know, I think making sure that your CRM and everything is set up effectively. We're using, um, uh, we've just deployed um, a Demand Farm, which enables us to do some really, really good mapping and things. And we're just looking at how we then apply that to make sure that we can really see the influence that marketing's having as well. So, um, and, and making sure that you can draw all of your different systems together to be able to provide that sort of holistic view of the impact that you're having on, account, on an account because you really don't want to be you know we t we talked i think just earlier about touch points didn't we and you know if somebody sees you on facebook is that relevant well yes because it's a touch point and we know that our customers um especially in the c-suite or the senior decision makers you know some of them are expecting around 20 touch points before they're even really willing to you know to engage with a, you know an existing supplier on a new product for example so um you know these touch points are really important and i think to go back to the gartner that i think someone called in uh, mentioned earlier, we know that um, you know customers are, are getting to around 60% of the way through the buying cycle um, before they will even engage with sales. So you know we need to be able to demonstrate that actually we're influencing that 60%. We're right at that top of funnel, really, really pushing people through um, very quickly through all the various touch points. But if you can't bring them together into that overarching reporting and demonstrate, um, you know the breadth of what you're doing if you can sort of only demonstrate the web over here and social over here then you can't articulate that story and it's therefore very very just difficult to create a narrative back to the business that that genuinely that is, is believable in terms of the impact that you're having um so i would i would give a shout out to tech for your reporting because at the end of the day you've got to get the business buy-in um and be able to really solidly demonstrate um particularly from an attribution perspective it's much easier from an origination perspective either you know someone either came through a campaign or they didn't and it's, it's a little bit simpler when you're when you're demanding attribution um you know you do have to argue against that well yeah but we already knew this customer sort of argument very interesting and so how do you guys feel about i still like to hear from martin and zag on what you guys's favorite um technologies are but but the thing i just when you were talking that i thought about is Technology has to be easy, right? And I know there's some some aspects that will never be easy because you have to do things, right? I mean, even right now we're live streaming and it's about as easy as it can be, but I still have to do 8,000 things, right? And, and I don't know how that would become easier, but um, I'm thinking about, for example, um, the process. When I first grew up in marketing, we would write in Word documents. And I know some people still do that. I don't know why, but they do, or they write in Google Docs, same thing. But when I'm doing a campaign now, let's say, you know, an email campaign for ABM, I, I write it in Pardot, you know, or if you use Marketo or whatever, I think you should just write it wherever you're, wherever you need it. You need to cut down on the steps. You need to make it easy for everyone involved. Um, and that's just, that's kind of my opinion. How do you guys feel about um, the ease of use of technology? How do you find what's easy to use? Well, I, or is I, nothing easy to I think, use? I think on that one, it, it's, it's just a, it's probably just a, a case of trial and error. And I think you're right, you know, um, with Word and Google Docs, um, maybe just going straight into the technology, you know, saves a bit of time, um, happy days. Um, I think coming back to the thing about the kind of the technology, um, obviously to do ABM, well 
Um, you, you need that single version of the truth. So obviously the CRM is super important. How, you know, CRM is only going to be as good as the data that's in it. So um, obviously my little plug here for Web Insights that can be really useful because it can, you know, kind of reap the opportunities um, throughout different businesses. Um, I mean, there, there are things as well, like uh, it obviously there's chatbots. Um, we, per, we we don't use them. We have real humans here, but I can see how it would work for large enterprise businesses with a you know loads and loads of web traffic. Um, product called Webio as well. Um, you can literally personalize your homepage. So when someone hits um, the website, it, it literally will kind of, um, you know, talk say oh hi such and such business or you know um you can really get very clever with with what you do around around stuff like that um so yeah there's just a, cu a couple of things that i thought i'd throw in there now now wait a second second here just like karen i'm trying to take notes but i mean this is just too much information too quickly what is the tool that's that you use to that updates the website based on businesses so it's a thing called uh, webio that's a very okay. handy piece of tech. Um, it uses right, so it's, it's part of this, it's part of the same group, but it basically it uses similar technology to Web Insights reverse IP tracking, um, but it gives you that sort yeah. of instant on the on the website. Uh, Web Insights basically will power um, whatever system you want it to to power. So you know it can power your your marketing or. Uh, you know, you can kind of, if an opportunity comes in, it can send it off to your best salesperson. Um, so, yeah. I mean, you know, there's, Got it. there's heaps of stuff out there for ABM. And also, again, there is, and, yeah, go on. and that's the challenge, though, right? That's the challenge to figure out what works. Now, you guys talk amongst yourselves. I'm going to go check out Wibio, and, and, and um, that sounds <laughs> very promising. Now, Zach, what uh, what are your favorite tools? Or did I already ask you that? You asked, but I, I do want to echo, echo what, what Martin mentioned. Um, obviously, there's a lot of trial and error um, and just kind of plugging into communities and understanding who's using what. Um, but, the, you know, like the really important thing is single source of truth and visibility. Like, can, can the other teams who need to interact with you have access to what you're accessing? Because if you're in a silo, it's, it doesn't matter how easy the tool is. You're still going to have extra work to enable your sales team or, or CX team or whoever it is you're partnering with. Um, and then how nicely does it play with everything already in your stack as well is super important because uh, once again, if you're, if you're away from, from where you're, you're already working or where other people are already working, you're just adding uh, complexity to, to the process. I, yeah, I, the, times 10 because I think one of the things that we're looking at is, you know, when you're looking at your Marketo and Salesforce and you're talking about complexity, you know, spend five minutes in Salesforce. It's it's an incredible machine in what it does, but learning and, and using it well. And it, you know, if there's one piece of advice I give to anyone who's just starting this journey and it does not have a lot of MarTech in is like, if you can consider all the different uses and, and the kind of data you want to get and all that, and I'm not pretending that this is easy to do, but I think if you the further along you are in this journey, the the dare I use the MacGyver reference, you know, when you suddenly have to start, you know, putting the fingers in the obligatory, you know, uh, Dutch dike to fix something or something doesn't talk to the other or 
so, so as much as you can be long-term and strategic in your marketing, how are you long-term and strategic about the technology that you use? I think that if you can do that at the start as best you can, it will save you a lot of pain in the, as you go forward. So of course, people always want to measure everything. And I'm, I'm allergic to the only answer being revenue. So yes, we want revenue. I'm not opposed to money at all. So if anybody's adding me already about that, I'm not. Uh, but there's other things we have to measure, right, along the way. So other than, yes, we want to get to revenue down the road, what are, you know, what are key milestones? What do we measure? Is it, you know, are people responding? Are people, uh, like, what do we want people to do? Like, what's the, um, um, what do we look at? So again, I mean, for me, it comes back to what I was saying earlier around what are the business objectives, because we should be measured against that and the business will have objectives outside of um, a pipeline and revenue as well. So I think that's the key. Um, you know, I think we should, you know, stand up and be counted as part of the wider business objectives. I think that's really important to, you know, secure future funding and so on. Um, but I think you can look at things like, um, uh, you know, if you don't want to talk about pipeline, you might want to talk about funnel acceleration. Um, you might want to talk about um, customer NPS because this is all about building a really strong strategic relationship, certainly from a one-to-one -one perspective. It's about building that really strong strategic re um, relationship so the customer should really be feeling the difference and should, you know, be feeling the love. And if they're not, then that's, you know, definitely not working. Um, and, you know, going back to what I was saying before, I, you need that sales um, feedback and you also need to be able to feedback on sales um, because this has to, it has to be a partnership. And if that partnership isn't, you know, isn't working um, effectively, then an ABM campaign won't work. So the one thing that I found interesting on that, so I don't think most people answer that question the way you just did. So when, when I said revenue, right, that's like the end piece. But what you actually said is measure the pipeline and then you can figure out where people are dropping out. So that's actually very different from just saying, oh, how much revenue comes out at the other end? So something to think about if you guys' answer always is revenue, you know, how do you measure the different stages of the pipeline? And believe it or not, I've seen companies that have a pipeline, but it's not very well defined or, or built out. So um, that's an interesting answer. Um, I'm learning something different now. I think Stop here. maybe this is similar to what you're saying, Krista. I tend to, the conversations I've been having is like the conversion points. Yeah. I talk about like you can go in, you can go in and, and for, for PT or massage or whatever, and they can go and massage on the muscle. But the connective, where's the is is the issue on the muscle itself or in the connective tissue? And and all the massaging on the muscle is great, but if the issue is in the middle, so so you can have a big database, but if you're not pushing anyone from that initial engagement and through and and understanding what touch points are working. So, so that's something that, that we're looking at. And I've been talking about, again, you know, Stephen, how we build brand awareness and that understanding that top of funnel journey is something, at least in Europe, in the US, got that. People know, at least in the industry, who we are. I mm -hmm. doing some research on it now, but generally, anecdotally, it's well known. And so I'm gonna spend more time now using marketing as that machine to build that database and understand where people are, who we need to contact, who are the right personas to have that dialogue. 
that success for me in a year one, for example. So it's also like, a, again, that longer term strategy, your, your measurements of success in your first year of trying account-based marketing may be very different than if you've been doing it for five or ten years as well. Yeah, to, to follow along that, that, that point, Karen, um, we always uh, preach follow the friction. I think a natural, the natural instinct when you're setting up a new program, especially ABM, is to go in chronological order, start at the top of funnel and work your way down through the conversions. Um, but that's not always the most impactful. Um, and you end up misresourcing a little bit early on. I think what you need to do is really look for those points in the deal cycles where sales needs the most lift, the most air, air cover to kind of continue those conversions and start there. Sometimes it's in the middle, sometimes it's at the bottom. Um, and then work your way out. You can always even out the, the foundation of your ABM later, but the, the more impact you can drive immediately, the, you know, the, the more trust you'll build between your teams uh, and the longer it'll last. Yeah, completely. Totally early wins, quick wins are super important. And also to keep in mind that it's a long-term strategy. To wrap us up here, and I'll go first. Um, what is your top tip for winning an ABM? And my tip you guys will be surprised that my tip will focus around content. Surprise, I know, right? You got to have good content for people and it has to speak the right language. It has to be, you know, actually be good for that company. And it can't just be the same old marketing gobbledygook that we use on billboards or whatever. I know I'm being dramatic. Um, let's go around the room here. Krista, what's your top tip? So for me, you know, ABM is a strategy that really allows us to be creative and innovative in a way that I think a lot of traditional marketing strategies, they don't allow you to, to really kind of go for it and do something totally different. So I would say, you know, be creative, go out there with a, a campaign, um, but also be prepared to fail fast measure it make sure that you're getting the response you're getting and if you aren't then you know you need to um to i, I mean i think abm is a very agile strategy so you need to be able to pivot in the same way that if a sales strategy wasn't working you would pivot the sales strategy so enjoy the freedom to be innovative and creative and you know and and but be prepared to fail and move on agile is always an important thing uh, Karen, what, what's your top tip? So I was going to use that was mine. So Krista, said that was, <laughs> I'm going to steal one of what, kind of one of hers that she said because it resonates well with me. Is is do your homework, do the research, be clear on. Are you clear on your ICP? Who are you are talking to? Uh, understand the industry they work in, their challenges. This is a combination of what are your sellers hearing. You know, and why you're, you've gotten in the door in the first place, but also if you understand a marketplace and, and A, that, that's going to make you that kind of valued partner to your sales team, but also just make sure that as you're developing your content and looking at your channels, <laughs> that you're, you're set up for success, hopefully more quickly, and then to, to Chris's point, fail fast and then adjust as you go. Absolutely. Martin? Yeah, um, I would say mine would be um, always think customer first. Um, if you're doing that, then you can't go too far wrong because everything else is just going to kind of fall off the back of that. So you're targeting the right customers where you can help them, you're going to add value for them. Um, so that's kind of your ICP work. Uh, understand them, so find out as much as you can about them. 
be human, connect with them, because obviously the person on the receiving end of your marketing is human with feelings. Um, work closely with sales, and again, that's so there's no jarring or that so the experience doesn't kind of drop, um, and you're just much more likely to have a, a positive, um, create a positive experience for the prospect or, or customer. So that would that would be. And- Yep. Awesome. And dear listeners and viewers, I'm your walking acronym dictionary here, ICP, Ideal Customer Profile, just in case you're wondering. Um, that's what that stands for. Right. I always like to, I know we have a, no, 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 it's fine. I, I just I think we have a wide audience um, and I do get that quite often. What does that stand for? What's that again? You know, whatever, because it's it's people all over the, the spectrum. Um, Zach, give us your tip. Uh, my tip would just be patience. Um, there's a, there's a lot that goes into a successful ABM strategy. So be patient with yourself, really take your time and do your due diligence to set it up. Uh, and then you're, you're going to have some wins, but you're also going to have some losses here and there and, and stick with it and be willing to build for the long term and do things right. Don't, don't panic and rip things out. Uh, the second you, you hit a little, uh, adversity. Patience is hard, and usually I run out of it, but um, that is some good advice as well. I learned so much from all of you. Thanks for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Thanks, everyone, for watching and listening. Um, Really appreciate you guys making the time. Thanks, Christoph. Thank you. Thank you, Christoph. Thanks for tuning in, and thanks to our guests for sharing their awesome insights. Don't forget to visit webinsights.com to connect with your website visitors quicker.